Hello, my name is Linda Tuck-Chapman. I'm a subject matter expert in third-party risk management, built on my experience as Chief Procurement Officer in three major banks and as a consultant. I'm a member of the Steering Committee and facilitator for the RMA's Third-Party Risk Management Roundtable and author for RMA Journal. So I'd like to draw your attention to an article of mine that was published in the July-August edition entitled The Power of Collaboration. There's a lot of great information about what's going on in third-party risk management across the sector because it's a report really from a survey that uh, the RMA conducted as a second annual survey of practices related to third-party risk management across the sector. So our focus for our conversation today is the non-vendor component of third parties. So the steering committee got together and said, you know, this is so hard to wrap our arms around. I think we should put some definitions in place, which is the first step. So we said that vendors are the relationships that are typically sourced through a centralized procurement process, and payments are transacted by accounts payable. So this is a key characteristic, because there are a lot of types of relationships that are paid for by accounts payable, but your sourcing department or procurement department's not involved. So regardless, if they're paid by accounts payable, they're a vendor. And another characteristic that we found is that these relationships are managed in the first line of defense, but they, the techniques that they use are the same or similar across different types of relationships. They're just specific to the relationship, and they're usually risk-adjusted. So that left this other category, and so we coined a term called non-vendors. And I must say, I don't think the regulators recognize the term non-vendors, but it's easy to explain what we're talking about when you say a vendor so pay through accounts payable and every other type of relationship is a non-vendor and it's not. Some people are using the term traditional and non-traditional, but that doesn't always play too well in the business because they have always dealt with these relationships that are traditional to them. So what is a non-vendor? So the definition we came up with is these relationships are typically acquired directly by the business line or segment and generally not through a centralized procurement process. Financial remuneration, if applicable at all, is typically transacted outside the accounts payable process. The relationships may be managed solely by the business line or segment or managed in conjunction with a corporate risk management function or something equivalent, and the, the requirements for management vary greatly across the types of the relationships. So the second thing that we decided to do once we had a definition is go out to the members of the roundtable and ask for some help. So 11 institutions very generously sent us a lot of information about the different types of relationships that we have. And we found it a great challenge, but eventually we organized it into 19 categories and 53 subcategories. This 19 categories are part of the article in the RMA journal, The Power of Collaboration, or you can get them directly from the RMA. Uh, Roundtable members do have access to all 53 subcategories, so it's a great reason to join this thought leadership group. So uh, let me give you some examples of what non-vendors are. Uh, They would be analysts, advisors, affinity relationships, affiliates, correspondent banking, financial market utilities, uh, indirect lending, trade associations, wholesale banking, etc. So they're basically what it allowed us to do is organize our survey into um, logical groups. And it was really tough to know what to ask about uh, all these different uh, types of relationships because there's so many of them. 19 is a lot of information. But let me tell you what is really interesting that you can you know, easily deal with. So first of all, we asked about uh, whether or not it's a regulatory requirement. And by and large, I would say substantially yes, except for the very small entities. 
And then uh, having said that, though, I would just draw your attention to the fact that the CFPB does not differentiate. So if you have retail customers, then uh, you should really look at this uh, as something that should be included in your program. The second thing we could share is the maturity level of the non-vendor programs in these institutions. So the under $10 billion, 10 to $50 billion, and over $100 billion in asset size are pretty much at the same place, which is the program is newer underway. As you might expect, the 50 to $100 billion banks are way ahead. There are 65% of them say their programs will be mature in a year. And that's probably because they have both the resources uh, to invest, but also the, it's the size of the bank is manageable. So next thing, have, they, have these institutions done an inventory? And I would say about half of them are complete, to have a complete inventory. So at least they know what they're referring to. We also wanted to know whether or not the vendor and non-vendor component of their programs were the same or similar, and substantially the conclusion is yes. And I would have to add a bit of a, uh, a qualifier there, up to the point of risk acceptance. A real difference here that we're seeing in practice is post-risk acceptance, uh, the, the, the management is quite different because, of course, correspondent banking versus affinity relationships versus uh, indirect lending, they're all so different that those are typically governed by special uh, uh, determination by the lines of business and then overseen by a central function, third-party risk or operational risk. And we also find that the policy and standards can still be the same. And so the um, the number of relationships are, um, it, it depends on the type of business that you're in. They could be smaller than your vendor component or they could be larger. But also what we did find is what's in common is risk is identified in the same way. It's a determination of the products or services provided and the reliance that your business has on them. And also the risk rating is determined by a risk calculation, which is usually set up in a risk assessment process. So there's a lot to learn here. I would encourage you with the next survey, please participate. Uh, you can contact the RMA to get more information or a copy of the survey results. Or you can also read, uh, read a bit more in the Power Collaboration article in the RMA Journal. So thank you very much for listening. My name again is Linda Tuck-Chapman on Teleperformance Solutions, and I appreciate your time. Thanks. Bye-bye.